0: 2 Timothy, we will be. uh, My temptation is to say uh, we will be examining 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 4, and verse 5. But in fact, we will be examined by it. We examine it, and then it turns around and sets us right. And we come out with a spiritual healing, a soul healing that we would not have otherwise. Just to give you a reminder of the context, what is the historic context that we find here? This is Paul's last letter. He is writing it from a Roman dungeon. He is already, as he will speak at the close of the letter, he is already appeared before Nero. He had spent two years in, under house arrest. That's where the book of Acts closes. He was for two years under house arrest because he was sent to Rome by the Syrian governor because as a Roman citizen he could appeal to Caesar and he knew the Jewish leadership was purpos- purposing his ambush and murder. And so he he appealed to Caesar. He was sent to Rome. And for two years, they waited for the charges to come across the Mediterranean, and they never did. So finally, the the Roman emperor just said, well, case dismissed. But for those two years, Paul sat under house arrest in Rome, and about every four hours, a different member of the Praetorian Guard had to be chained to him. And so what do you think their experience was? They got to hear the gospel. they got to be gospeled and gospel. The, the least reachable people in the entire Roman Empire, the people that they had the least access to, were now lined up to be chained to Paul <laughs> and hear the gospel. And writing one of the letters Paul wrote from that imprisonment, he says to the congregation receiving his letter, "The members of Caesar's household send you greetings." Is God good at what he does? Yes. God is good at what he does. And Paul was released. But then he was arrested again. He's now in the dungeon. He's already appeared to Nero. He will not worship the emperor. Which Roman citizens were required to do. And so we know that eventually he will be beheaded. Because of his refusal. But God is making a testimony. He's making a testimony. And Paul is fully willing to endure that death. He's willing to endure the dungeon he is writing from in order that the gospel might go out and that he might step into the presence of Jesus with a great glad welcome. By the way, how will that work out? He will experience that. The man who will command his beheading, Nero, will later commit suicide for fear of being killed by the Praetorian guard sent after him. Would you rather be Paul or Nero? I will take Paul. I will take that glad welcome. But that's where Paul is writing from he has already told the, uh, the young man, Timothy, who is his spiritual son. And he calls him that in this letter. You are my son in the faith. And he says this. Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Oh, the kids are all gone. (laughs) Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Lots of religion, lots of show, lots of regalia, lots of cathedrals, lots of other places of worship, all kinds of stuff, but denying its power and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres... By the way, those are the traditional names given by the Jewish people. They're not named in the... They're the traditional names for Pharaoh's magicians in Egypt. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further. For their folly will be manifest to all as theirs, Janice and Jambres, also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions. Afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived but you must continue in the, th- in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work i charge you therefore before god and the lord jesus christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Well, what is the last days? What is the last days? The last days is from the point of Jesus' ascension into heaven and promised that he would come back at some time not known to them. Always be ready. Always be ready. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Now, I say I'm so glad. My flesh isn't. (laughs) But I'm so glad we don't know when Jesus is coming. What would we do if we did? Okay, Lord, I got a plan. I'm going to do what I want right up till the day before you come, and then I'll repent, and I'll get all my house in order. No, 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 no. I, Jesus, want you to have your house in order all the time. What does Jesus say in Matthew 24 and that Paul repeats in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5? He's coming as a thief. I'm coming. You know I'm coming. You know I'm coming. You know I'm coming. I'm not going to send you a postcard ahead of time. The burglar doesn't send you warning. He just shows up and you set in place what? Your security measures so that when he does come, you can meet that challenge. Well, Jesus says, I'm coming at a time that you don't know, but you know I'm coming. And so always be ready, which for us as Jesus followers means what? It means I had better keep my house in order, I better have my spirit in submission to him at all times. And by the way, is that not the path to blessing? Is that not the path to true life? He's not asking us to do something that is against our interest. He's he's inciting us to do something that is for our benefit. I want you to experience what only I can supply. The things of this world are passing away, and the lusts, that are attached to them. That's all passing away. Don't invest in a bad investment. Invest in the good investment. Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will be here with all of kingdom blessing and glory forever and ever and ever. And all those people that... The world is so focused on today as being these people of great success. And look at those mansions. Look at this wardrobe. Look at the car they're driving. Nothing. The world is passing away. And all of the lusts that it were attached to it, all the desire, that's all passing away. It's going to be thrown out and replaced with what? A kingdom of unrestrained glory. And we're going to have to have those resurrection incorruptible bodies in order to withstand the blessing. What happens when you sit down at Thanksgiving dinner? You come away, isn't it going to be great? Kingdom banquet. And with no, uh, cool, okay, I know that's weird. <laughs> but folks, that's what Jesus is preparing us for. A kingdom of unrestrained, immeasurable blessing. Don't get attached to what is going away. And what Paul describes here in the opening paragraph, chapters chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, look at the wickedness that has been since the, since the fall of man... Folks, even here in the Western world, even here in the Western world, we just prayed for our brothers and sisters in India, in Nepal, in the Muslim world, in China, where the persecution, the persecution, it's also ramping up here, folks. Persecution is ramping up here, too. It is. And we must be vocal and forthright and steadfast in our loyalty to Christ here. And what we see here, these are the last days. These are the last days. In the last days, perilous times will come. You look back just at European history. Let me get, I'm, I'm a history nut, so I actually write things down and I tape them in the front of my Bible. Let me just give you some things from European history. The gospel... We think of the Protestant Reformation. Wonderful. 503 years ago, 1517, Martin Luther nailed those 95 debate points onto the cathedral door and set the explosion we call the Protestant Reformation in motion, except it wasn't him, it was God. A hundred years before him, no, excuse me, 80 years before him, There was a fellow to the east of him. I think this is sort of kind of accurate. Name pronounced Jan Hus. Right here in central Texas, we have spiritual descendants, the Hussites. They're called Czech Moravian brethren. They came over to Texas. A whole lot of them, massive numbers, came over to Texas in the late 1840s and established colonies here. Why? They were still being persecuted in Bohemia and Czechoslovakia. Who was Jan Hus? Jan Hus was the Roman Catholic priest who was the great preacher, and he was the preacher at the cathedral in Prague. And he actually started reading the Bible. And he started telling his congregation what the Bible said. He was reading the writings of John Wycliffe from England and being influenced by John Wycliffe, who had done the same thing, actually read the Bible. And so they Word is getting out. He's having a powerful influence. Thousands and thousands of people in the Bohemia, Moravia, what we call Czechoslovakia area today, were coming into the kingdom, hearing the simple gospel, and so they they had a church conference, and they said, "Master Hus, please come to our conference. We promise no harm will come to you. We just want to hear what you've been saying." And so he came, and he presented it, and then they burned him at the stake. Which is why one hundred eighty years later, eighty years later, when Martin Luther was invited to the Diet at Worms, the meeting at Worms, to explain what he was saying, uh, and they promised him safe conduct. His Baron said, uh, <clears throat> "We've heard this before." He sent a lot of soldiers with him. So as soon as Martin Luther was done with his public presentation, they got him out, and they hid him in a castle for two years where he translated the Bible into German. There was a gospel explosion all over Europe, Germany, France. That fellow John Calvin was a Frenchman. He, moved, he, he got out of Dodge. He, he, got, he moved to Geneva. Thankfully. Because on August 24th, 1574, there was an event in French history, probably never heard of it, called the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. It was a Sunday. That day... 45,000 french protestants were killed and their bodies were thrown into the rivers by the end of the week an additional 50,000 had been killed 95,000 total people killed in one week in france because of their having turned to the simple the gospel the the Jesus of the simple gospel. And we can point to things since then, other events in European history. That's just, I'm, I'm pointing to those things because they're, they're, they're the things from our typical heritage. So what does Paul say? In the last days, which is from the day of Pentecost till whenever, whenever Jesus comes... In the last days, perilous times have come. And then he goes through and lists all the self-centeredness and wickedness of the human race left to itself, who have turned away from and stiff-armed the grace and mercy of God, and decided to set their own format for how life should look, and the people who are telling the truth will be persecuted, jailed, martyred. That's what they're like, from such people. And some of them will rise up within the body of believers. Just as there was a Judas Iscariot among the 12, there will be Judas Iscariots in the church. From such people turn away, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. They are just like Janus and Jamrays. Jambres, the two magicians of Pharaoh, and Moses came before them. What was the first episode? Moses comes with the rod into the presence of Pharaoh. And he tells Pharaoh, my God is going to judge this nation of Egypt, and you will let my people go, he says to you. And Pharaoh laughs at him. And what does Moses do? He throws down, as his proof, he throws that rod down on the floor. And it becomes a serpent. And Janice and Jambres came out with their rods, with their canes, threw them on the floor, and they became serpents. And then uh, Moses serpent ate up their serpents. <laughs> then he reached down, grabbed it, and it became a rod again. And each time the magicians came out and did some kind of a replication until it was about the fourth plague when Pharaoh brought them out again, and they said, Please stop it, Pharaoh. This is of God. You need to let these people. Even they threw up, threw in their, threw up their hands. Pharaoh, stop it. But God delivered the people. Don't be fools like Janice and Bergambres. But we have, seen, we have seen this happen in the church in America. Let me tell you, my own religious background I was born in upstate New York, went to a really, really good church in Rochester, New York, where they taught the Bible. I became a Christian when I was in the first grade. We moved to California. The bishop of that denomination in California was his left wing and anti actually authentically anti-God as you could possibly be. He was trying to drag the California diocese off of a left wing cliff. His oldest son committed suicide. A student at UC Berkeley committed suicide. And so the bishop went to a spiritist medium, a witch, so that he could speak to the soul of his dead son. I didn't stick with that denomination. (laughs) But, folks, what is it? That's 2 Timothy 3. Just as Janus and Jan prays. Religious fellows. Look at the religious fellows in the wilderness that rose up against Moses and Aaron. 250 Levites that stood out there with their, as we read last week, Numbers 16. They stood out there with, their, with the censors. Fire came out from the Lord and burned them up. And then the ground opened up and swallowed the men, Dathan and Abiram, who were leading the people in rebellion against Moses and Aaron. It's nothing new. Paul has been experiencing it. We have been experiencing it. Every generation of believers, no matter where, have experienced this. But it is God purifying the church. He is actually unmasking those who are not authentic. They will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs, Janus and Jamre's, also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. By contrast, what have you, Timothy, done? Timothy, you've suffered. I've suffered. you suffered. You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith. Long-suffering. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and what have I had to have as an authentic follower? I have had to, had to be empowered by God with patience, with long-suffering, the ability to endure. I don't even understand these people that run marathons. Why would you do that to yourself on purpose? But what? why? Because it requires long-suffering. It requires the ability to defy the aches and the pains and the... <sighs> so they can press through the tape. Ladies and gentlemen, you are a contestant in a marathon. And it's time for you and I to act like we are. Long-suffering, love, perseverance, keep at it. Persecutions; these characterize God's people being persecuted. I'm sorry, folks. You've had people rise up in opposition to you because you have an you are authentically explaining the gospel, the reality of what God is like to them. It's called persecution. Afflictions. Wait a minute, Lord. Why is anything bad happening to me? I've got a relationship with the true and living God. Why are bad things happening to me? So that when the world sees you experience afflictions and you respond like my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that will get their attention. And they will say, hmm... What does that fellow David Bushell know that I don't know that allows him, that frees him to respond that way instead of the way I would? That's not how we want to witness, but it's how God has set things up. So it will be authentic people. That's what opens their eyes and ears. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Go back to Philippi where Paul and Silas were put in the prison. And they were singing, excuse me, Paul and Silas put in the prisons, in the prison. And there at midnight, their legs are in chains in the stocks. And a very weird thing happened at midnight. There was an earthquake that caused all the prison doors to fly open and the stocks to fall off their legs. But nobody in the prison fled. They had been hearing these two fellows worshiping. Do you suppose gospel impact had had it? There had been a gospel impact among their fellow prisoners, and then the jailer and his whole family came to Christ. The least, the place that was the hardest to penetrate, hardest, hardest, least accessible in the city, got penetrated because Jesus got them arrested. Do we have a God who's good at what He does? Yeah. Out of them all, all of these persecutions, all of these afflictions, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live God the in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Gonna happen. It doesn't mean God has forgotten you. In fact, it means He's honoring you by allowing you to join His Son in persecution for telling the truth so that Jesus' reward and glory might be shared by you in the coming kingdom. Folks, that's the kingdom plan. Out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's gonna keep happening, but it's not gonna work out well for them. Didn't work out well for Janice and Jambres, didn't work out well for Pharaoh, didn't work out for, for Dathan and Abiram, who got swallowed up, swallowed them up. Be on Jesus' side, it will work out well for you. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. Your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, instructed you in the scriptures. When I met you, you were already, as they were, an authentic, powerful disciple of Jesus. And then I stepped in and nurtured you even more, trained you even more, discipled you even more. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Do yourself a great blessing. Go back and read Daniel chapter 3, which we read a couple, two or three weeks ago here. (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, thrown in the fiery furnace. And what was the outcome to those men who wouldn't bow the knee to that stupid statue, that stupid idol? They got delivered from that fiery furnace. And that chapter, by the way, was a decree that went out through the whole Babylonian Empire. And the concluding statement of that chapter is Nebuchadnezzar saying to everybody, and there were representatives from every province in the Babylonian Empire there witnessing it. I don't want to hear about anybody saying anything bad about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because this is the God that knows how to deliver. Don't you dare offend that God. (laughs) Daniel in the den of lions, which we read also. He came out of that den of lions, and all those who had engineered his death, instead they experienced what they had engineered for him. And that was a decree that was sent out to the Persian Empire. Everybody learned of what it, but what did it take from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel? They had to be loyal. All they had to do was be loyal to God. And God made a testimony. What does he ask of us? Be loyal to me. Will you suffer persecution? Yes. What will be the outcome? Glory. 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 From childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, for deliverance through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Every day, keep trusting Jesus, trust Jesus, trust Jesus, trust Jesus. Every day, you keep doing it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I'm going to turn you all into Greek scholars. You're going to, all going to, I'm going to say a word, then you're going to say it back. thea God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. As the writers, the prophets and the apostles and their companions, as they are writing out Scripture, the Spirit of God is governing their pen. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, yod, the smallest letter in the Hebrew in the Hebrew." Alphabet, all the letters are the same size except the yod. It's a little about twice the size of an apostrophe. <laughs> Not one yod or tittle. A tittle is a little attachment on a letter that is the difference, between say, between the R sound and the D sound. That's a tittle. Not one jot or tittle. Which tells you what? The Holy Spirit didn't just guide their pen. And g- he even made sure they spelled it right. Right down to the letter, smallest letter and part of a letter. All Scripture is God-breathed perfect and is profitable for doctrine. Do you want to know what's true? Study God's Word. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Oh, well, I thought, oh, okay, well, thank you, Lord. For pr- for correction, for instruction in righteousness, Lord, I... I'm faced with a problem. I don't know how to, oh, well, here it is. Here it is. You showed me the righteous path, the righteous steps for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. When Paul stood before Nero when Daniel stood before Nebuchadnezzar, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before Nebuchadnezzar, they had it together. They had it together. They didn't fail because they hadn't been properly trained. No, they had been properly trained by God the Holy Spirit through his word, and so they were able to authentically stand representing accurately what the true and living God was like and what his ways were. And did God make a testimony through them, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through the apostles? Absolutely. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. No failures. Wow. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in kingdom. That's the day we're focused on. Preach the word. Do what you've seen me do. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, when it's convenient and when it is not convenient. Convince, rebuke, Exhort all those things that the Holy Spirit does to us through the Scripture. We are to be side by side with the Holy Spirit, voicing the same things to people that he has voiced to us out of his word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And you'll have to persist in it, persist in it, persist in it. Wait a minute, Mark. This is the sixth or seventh or eighth time I've had to explain this to you. Well, I'm a slow learner, Lord. (laughs) Be that way with others as he is with you. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine... Take advantage of the opportunity when you have it, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the ter- truth and turn, and be turned aside to fables, to made-up stories. And, folks, that is, you look at church history. What did the church do? It turned aside to fables, and that's why we had to have a Protestant Reformation. That's why we had to have all these correcting events, because the church had moved in wrong directions, embracing the wrong things. And if you fought those wrong teachings, you got beaten or impoverished or killed. But they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, But you, Timothy, but you, be watchful in all things. Stay on the alert. Endure afflictions. Okay, Paul, you had me up to that point. (laughs) Endure afflictions. No, endure afflictions because there is a payday someday. There will be a reward that will weigh out measure whatever price you pay for loyalty to Jesus here and your afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Keep gospeling, people. Fulfill your ministry. God has called us all to be. If you've authentically embraced Jesus, and, and let me put it this way, if he's embraced you and you've embraced him back, he's called you to this. Be ready Willing and able, taking advantage of every opportunity to explain the simple gospel message. What is that good news message? Well, it starts with bad news. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But God sent his son. God the son became flesh. He became fully a man. Fully God, fully man, joined together in one person. He displayed his perfection before everyone. He could say to his worst enemies, which of you can identify a sin in me? He could say that before Pilate. He could say that before the Jewish leaders who brought him to Pilate. They couldn't find anything to accuse him of before Pilate. And Pilate's like, what? You just crucify him. Uh, That's not how it works. You just crucify him. That's not how it works. What are you accusing him of? Well, he does say he's a king. Oh, well. And when Pilate says that to Jesus, Jesus finally replied, he had been the silent sheep. Now he's, yes, well, actually, that's true. I am a king. I'm a king. But Pilate washed his hands of the blood of that just man. Washed his hands of that guilt. And the Jewish leadership said, let his blood be on us and on our children. You be watchful in all things endure your afflictions Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do what he's called you to do, and the kingdom glory will far outweigh whatever price you're asked to pay here. We don't even have a standard of measure here to understand what awaits us for this brief opportunity we have to express loyalty to Jesus That's what we are called to do, and it is worth doing it. Let's pray together. Our Father, there isn't a person here that, as we are exposed to your word, isn't. This is truth. This is a warning. It's not going to all be pleasant. There will be glory. There will be glory. There will be glory. But there will also be persecution. There will also be rejection. There will also be harm done. But that is what we've been called to. But thank you, we've also been called to glory. We are asking that you would enable us. This week, I'm asking for every single person in this room that you will give us a gospel opportunity and that we will step forward by the help of your Holy Spirit and get that first sentence out of our mouth, a sentence of loyalty and truth to about you and that you will govern the conversation to your praise and we will see a harvest this week. We will see people harvested into your kingdom because of the power of your Holy Spirit. We, we speak words. He makes them life and light to people. We ask for this to, that next Sunday we will have in the praise time, we will hear praises of people who were able to publicly take a stand for you and the great things you did. We are asking this of you, good shepherd Jesus, and all God's people said, amen.